This morning, here, we're going to be looking at 2 Peter 3, verses 14 through 18. Because this is the time of year people make resolutions, right? You've already been seeing the commercials about how you can be a better you. Uh, you can eat better, you can exercise better, you can all, all these different things. You know, you can commit commit to these things, and then February is the shortest month. It's, you know, the most depressing month, probably because by that time we realize we just are what we are, right? <laughs> We've reverted back to, no. Resolutions can be good things, okay? And so this morning, though, I would like for us to look at some resolutions for Faith Baptist Church. But these resolutions are not just for this year. These resolutions would be for now until Jesus comes. Okay? Because we live, we live in an in-between time. Something we have to realize is that time for God is broken up, not necessarily year by year, although God gave us time and He gave us years to look at things. We are in a, at a point where we are waiting upon what's called the consummation, where God creates, recreates this world. He, he does the new heavens and the new earth, and, and all that is good and righteous continues on for eternity, and the earth will be remade and will become His cosmic temple, if we want to use that language, and, uh, and, and things will be as they should be. You've heard of paradise lost in Eden. This will be paradise restored when God remakes everything. But at this point, we're living in the fallen world, in the here and now. But we understand that things aren't like they're supposed to be, nor will they always be this way. We have hope of a greater future that other people do not have. And so, as we look at some spiritual goals for Faith Baptist Church in 2023... We want to do so based upon what we know about reality. Because people are living their lives out there and they have no idea, they have no understanding that Jesus Christ one day is going to return. And that one day there's going to be a judgment. And there's going to be a recreation. And those who are not part of that new creation are thrown into the lake of fire for eternal suffering. But we know these things. And it ought to change how we live. So look at 2 Peter 3.13. We're going to catch the last verse of that pericope that comes before our text, uh, the main part of our text today. But this sums up the, the recreation that Peter talks about in the previous verses. 2 Peter 3.13. He says, but according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. There's coming a new creation where righteousness dwells. And as Christians, we are to look forward to that time. But until then, we need to be resolved to live our lives in such a way that God is glorified. So let's look at 2 Peter 2, verses 14 through 18, and see what we should be resolved to do with our lives, not just in 2023, but until Jesus comes. 2 Peter 3.14 says, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, that new heavens and new earth where righteousness dwells, be diligent to be found by Him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation. 
Just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all of his letters when he speaks in them of these matters, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care. That phrase also means be on guard. Be on guard that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. We must honor and glorify Jesus by growing in His image. We must grow in His image by diligently knowing Him better and trusting Him and His ways more. So by God's grace, we glorify Christ by becoming more like Christ through knowing Christ more. And so I'm going to give you the four goals right up front, and then we're going to look at these Scriptures and see how I hope these goals that I've set down here match the Scriptures and they have the authority of God's Word behind them. So four goals until Jesus comes. Diligently grow in Christ-likeness together. Second, seek the salvation of others as God's patience continues. Number three, guard against false teaching. And then number four, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. First resolution, diligently grow in Christ-likeness. We see this in verse 14. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by Him. That means at His coming. Be diligent to be found by Him without spot or blemish and at peace. We must diligently grow in Christ-likeness together. The church's ultimate goal, the goal we are striving for, but yet have not attained it, is Christ-likeness. Now, why do I say Christ-likeness? Look again at verse 14 and notice where it says, without spot or blemish. That is sacrifice language from Exodus 12.5, and it's referring to the Passover lamb that was sacrificed for the Israelites so that the angel of death would pass over their homes and they would survive the night. And it says in Exodus 12.5, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old, You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Without blemish or spot, also, uh, it's referring to this Passover lamb, which points to Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate Passover lamb who is sacrificed for us. In the book of 1 Peter, now we're in 2 Peter, but in the book of 1 Peter, in 119, it says that we were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. You see, Christ was sinless. He was without error. He never sinned in His whole life in word or deed or thought. He lived a perfect life for us. He was a sacrifice without spot or blemish. So, when Peter says in 2 Peter 3.14 that we are to be diligent to be found by Him without spot or blemish, He is saying that we are to grow in Christ's likeness, to live our lives as living sacrifices to the Lord. 
2 Corinthians 5.15 says this, And Christ died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for Him who for their sake died and was raised. And in Romans 12.1, Paul writes and says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Our lives are to be spiritual sacrifices to the Lord. And if we're going to sacrifice ourselves to the Lord, are we to be sinful in our actions? No. He wants us to be without spot and blemish. Notice, we're in the book of Second Peter. Look at Second Peter chapter 2, the last part of verse 13. The false teachers that Peter is warning the church about, they are blots and blemishes on the church. It says they, the false teachers, count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions while they feast with you. That's why church discipline is important. If the church's goal is to be without spot or blemish, then false teachers who persist in sinful ways must be dealt with. Because we, as a church, are to be without spot and blemish. But notice also it says, and to be at peace at the end of the verse 14. And at peace. We are to be found by Christ at His coming without spot or blemish and at peace. At peace with Christ? Certainly. Certainly we are to be at peace with Christ. In Revelation 2.16, he's writing to the church at Pergamum. And he says there, Therefore repent, if not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. We want to live our lives at peace with the Lord Jesus Christ in obedience to Him, not in rebellion against Him. His death has brought us into a reconciled relationship with God. But I think more pertinent to our passage is that we are to be at peace with one another because we are the body of Christ. And He does not want us to be living in division in our church. We are to be found at peace with one another in our church family. So the church's ultimate goal is Christ-likeness. And we here at Faith Baptist Church are to be a unified, unblemished sacrifice as we wait for the Lord's coming. That's our ultimate goal. Now, I don't know about you, but I still struggle with sin. Right? If, if you come here and the statements that I've just made say, say to you that Faith Baptist Church is a perfect church, you, you've missed it. Okay. We're not a perfect church. I'm not a perfect pastor. Okay? But it is our goal, and that's why Peter says here that we must be diligent. Since we're waiting for that new creation wherein righteousness dwells, we are to be diligent to be found by Him. In other words, we need one another to help us. We are to live lives of repentance and faith. When, when sin is revealed in our lives, we repent of it and we turn from it and we come back to, to the Lord, to following the Lord. And sometimes we just need other people to help us with that. And so God has given us the body of Christ, the church, to help with this. Okay? So this word diligence, be diligent to be found by Him without spot or blemish. It goes back to the beginning of the letter. Peter begins the letter by telling us that Christians have escaped the corruption of this world caused by sinful desires 
and have been called to God's excellence to become partakers of his divine nature. And since God changes those he calls, Peter then tells us to make every effort. That's our word for diligence in chapter 3. Look at first, or Second Peter chapter 1, verse 5. He says, for this very reason, make every effort. Be diligent. Same word in the Greek. For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. In other words, you've, you've placed your faith in Christ. Now that we are safe in Christ, we are to be sanctified by Christ. So we're to supplement our faith with virtue. And virtue with knowledge. Knowledge of Him. Knowledge with self-control. Self-control with steadfastness. And steadfastness with godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with love. And then he says in verse 8, For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from becoming ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent, there's our word again, to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you'll never fall. For in this way, there will, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, the church's ultimate goal is Christ-likeness. And to get there is going to take diligence. Until the new creation, we resolve to diligently grow in Christ-likeness together. And that means that I'm, I need to be willing to let other people instruct me, help me to grow in Christ. They also need to be able to rebuke me, maybe point out a character flaw that I have or a sinful uh, attitude that I have. I need to be willing to be corrected, right? We're so vain... We're, we're perfectly fine if somebody comes up to us and tells us that we have a booger on our hanging out of our nose, right? I mean, we don't want to walk around with a booger hanging out of our nose, but don't correct me on my sin. Beloved, we need to be concerned about our spiritual state. And sometimes we need other people to help us. So, we need to resolve to diligently grow together in Christ's likeness. Then, we need to seek the salvation of others. A new heavens and a new earth are promised to Christians, but until then we must seek the salvation of others as God's patience continues. Look at verse 15 and 16. 2 Peter 3, verse 15. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you concerning the wisdom giving, given him, according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all of his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. I don't know how many people, I've said it before, I've stopped saying it, and, but I don't know how many people have said through the years to me, boy, it just seems like the Lord's coming soon. The Lord's coming soon. I can remember as a young Christian, I'm just like, well, I, I, I can't imagine us going 20 more years. Well, that's been probably 30 or 40 years ago. <laughs> Not 40. It's been 30, 35 years ago I made that statement. Okay. Just because things look bad doesn't mean that the Lord's not going to come, right? He's fixed the day that He's coming. And every day we're one day closer to the return of the Lord. But I think we need to spend less time concerning ourselves as to when that day was going to be and more time concerned with why is He delaying? Because Peter here tells us it's for salvation. 
There are other people who need to be saved. We must grasp the fact that perceived delays are God working salvation. The Lord's delay is not a failure to judge, but a merciful opportunity for salvation. And so I would ask you, who is your one? Who's the one person that you're praying for, for their salvation? That you're asking God to give you opportunities to speak to them. Or you're making opportunities, meeting them for lunch or dinner, trying to look for conversations that you can turn to salvation. Who, whose salvation are you seeking? There should be someone that you have that you're praying for on a regular basis to come to know the Lord. We must seek the salvation of others as God's patience continues. And I give you the, the four pillars that help us remember the gospel so that you can share it with others. And I'm going to give them to you now. If you have a pen, you can write them on your, on your thing there. But these are just four things that help you cover the gospel. And the four words, and then I'll give you verses for each of them. There's a God, humanity, Christ, and response. God, humanity, Christ, and response. There's four areas that you can cover and cover the gospel with people. First of all is God. You write down Revelation 4.11. Revelation 4.11. And we read there, it says, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. You see, God created all things, and therefore He has authority over all things. And His creation is supposed to honor Him. Because He created us in His image. We are to be His image bearers. When people see us, they should see what God is like. problem is, we don't do that. And that's humanity. What's humanity's problem? Write down Romans 1.21. Romans 1.21 says, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. So in Revelation 4.11, God is worthy to receive glory and honor, but in Romans 1.21, people who know God do not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10, there's none good, no, not one. These verses that point to the universal problem of sin that humanity has. We're all sinners who have dishonored God. And because of that, we're worthy of judgment, the judgment of God. Romans 1.18, for the wrath of God is revealed against all unrighteousness and ungodliness. The suppression of truth about God. That's mankind's problem. What, what is the solution? The solution is Christ. God's solution to the problem was Christ. Romans 5, 6. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. And the verses around that passage are just wonderful. They're beautiful. They're rich. But mankind's problem is met with God's solution in Christ. Christ came and led the perfect life, and then He died an unjust death for our sins. Romans 15, verses 3 and 4, Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, all according to God's plan. So Christ is God's solution to this. How then can a person become a part of that? What's the response? That's the fourth category. The response from Romans 10, 9. 
you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus is the Lord. So you've got to stop being the king. You've got to repent of your ways and place your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord, the One who died for your sins. Okay? And so that can help you to share the Gospel with others. It's the important aspects. They need to understand that they're sinful. They're worthy of God's judgment. God sent Christ to die in their place as a substitutionary offering for them. And that if they'll repent of their sin and follow Jesus Christ, they will be saved. If you're here this morning and you're not saved, and that's all new to you, or maybe you've never understood it before, but suddenly now it's making sense, I urge you today to repent of your sins and trust Christ as your Savior. If you have questions about that, I'd love to talk to you after the service. But we need to seek the salvation of others. So, who's your one? Pray for opportunities and then pray for boldness. Because what I find for me is I pray for God to God for opportunities and then somebody will say something and I'll just be, I'll, I'll get scared or, or I'll be in a hurry or whatever. And, and, but, but I just won't be bold and say it. Speak the gospel. So pray for opportunities and then pray for boldness when those opportunities come. To speak the gospel to people. Until the new heavens and new earth come, we must seek the salvation of others as God's patience continues. Third resolution. Until the new creation, we resolve to guard against false teaching. We resolve to guard against false teaching. Look at the last part of chapter 3, verse 16. And Peter's writing... Uh, about Paul. Now, he, he's, he's saying two things here. One is implied that he understands that what Paul writes is Scripture. Right? So, we don't have any question about the Old Testament being Scripture, but here we have Peter recognizing that Paul is writing Scriptures. Okay? That's the first thing that, that he implies there. And so, we can take great confidence in the New Testament writings that we have. But then he also points out another thing. Sometimes Paul's kind of hard to understand. I don't know about you, but I kind of take comfort in that, right? Here's an apostle saying that another apostle sometimes writes things that are hard to understand because sometimes when I'm reading the Bible, I'm just like, what? Right? What what is he saying there? And it's wisdom literature. The whole Bible falls under that category of wisdom literature. And so we have to meditate on it and ask God to open our eyes to it. But he admits that here. And he says in the second part of verse 16, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. This is the church's present activity we talked before about the summary of uh, Matthew 28 and the Great Commission. We're to give the gospel, we're to guard the gospel, and we're to grow Christians. This is part of guarding the gospel. We're to be vigilant in guarding the gospel and our fellow members from false teachers and false teaching. While the gospel message is very clear in the Scriptures, there are some things that are hard to understand. The Scriptures are to be discerned by the body. As members of Faith Baptist Church, you have the congregational authority to determine what is taught via our doctrinal statement. And then also by who may join as a member of our church. That's the congregational form of government that we have. 
Earlier in the book, false teachers are described as ignorant and unstable and lawless. But we are commanded to be knowledgeable, stable, and holy. False teachers twist the Scriptures to their own destruction, their ultimate destination being the lake of fire. Look at Second Peter chapter 2, verses 1-3. through three. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. We have false teachers. Satan, I just heard yesterday as I was listening uh, to a podcast uh, on the book of Revelation, Satan has three tools that he uses against the church. One is persecution. It's the easiest to see, right? But the hard, probably the hardest to endure. The second one is deception. Deception. He uses deception. It kind of sounds like the truth, but yet the people that are teaching it are living sinful lives, or there's just something off. Deception. And then the third tool is sensuality. Sensuality. He tempts us through uh, sex and sensuality. Those are the three big tools in his toolbox, and he doesn't he doesn't doesn't move off of those very often. So we must be on guard. We must be ready. We must know what we believe and why. And so the next question that I have to challenge you for this upcoming year and up till the Lord returns is: What discipleship relationships do you have? I encourage you to meet with somebody else in the church. Read through books. We have all these books in the in the library in here. Get together and read those books. Read a chapter at a time and meet together and just talk about that chapter for a little bit. Or read through the Scriptures together and talk them through. What type of discipleship relationships do you have? Because it's important. We have to guard against false teaching. There's so much of it out there, and there are so many ways to deliver it. So be careful. Be on guard. And then, finally, we see until the new creation that we resolve to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord. It says in verse 18, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. As true believers, we are told we must grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus and be established in the truth. Grace is given to us lavishly so that we can grow in holiness by knowing Christ more. Grace is divine enablement. Diligence is our effort by God's grace. Sanctification, growing in Christ, is divinely enabled human effort. Divinely enabled human effort, sanctification. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 10-12 through 12 says, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. 
saw saw a little piece on how they have nowadays actors, voice actors, that will help actors who are playing roles, especially biographical roles, to change the way they use their voice. And they boy, they've studied how how to hold your tongue and how to how to speak through your through your nose or through your diaphragm and all these things. And so they have these voice coaches that they hire to help these actors to sound and act like the people they are portraying. Now that's for acting. We want to live out Christ likeness. But I would also say that we need coaching, right? We need coaching. We need to be taught. And and that happens primarily here at our services. So as we begin this new year, I would encourage you to resolve to be here for all the services at Faith Baptist Church. Be faithful to Sunday school. It's a different type of environment than, than me just sitting here blasting you with information about God's Word. It's, it's a different type of learning. Be faithful to the service here, to the Wednesday night studies that for our, are for all ages. All of these are opportunities to grow in your knowledge of the Savior and to help others to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. You see, we are to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. When we consider that title, Lord and Savior, Lord is, our, is the word for Master. He's the one who directs us. He says what's right and wrong. He says what we should do and what we should not do. He's the Lord. He directs us. But He's also our Savior. He's the one who saved us. He is our Lord and Savior. I listen to Jesus as to what is right and wrong because He gave Himself to save me. Nobody else did. When people are out there trying to convince you that this thing that the Bible says is wrong, and they're there to say that it's right, and this is just human nature and all these different things... Hey, listen, that may sound good, but Jesus Christ didn't die for me. I mean, that person didn't die for me. Jesus did. Jesus died for me. So he gets to tell me what's right and what's wrong. I'm following him. And his ways are beautiful. His ways are beautiful. It all boils down. Look, people are, people rebel against God. And it, and it boils down to these two things. I've been reading through uh, the first part of Genesis. Lord willing, we'll start a new series in Genesis in this coming year. But the thing about chapter 1, it's all good. He creates it all good. And, and sometimes, sometimes we'll do the kind of responsive thing. We don't do it here in our church very often. But, but if I were to say, God is good, you would respond all the time. Right? So there's two two questions that have to be answered in just about every situation. Number one, is God good? And then the second one is the one that Satan asks. Well, then, if God is good, then did God really say? Because most people who are wanting to enter into sinful lifestyles or to do sinful things try to take the Scriptures and make them say what they don't say. Right? And so we have this thing that God is good, and He really did say. This. Now, the question is, am I going to submit to that or rebel against it? And that's the great battle, right? And we've all been rebels at one point in our life, and that's why we needed a Savior. <laughs> oh, what a good God. His ways are beautiful. Let's follow Jesus together here at Faith Baptist Church. In the last part of verse 18, it says, To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. 
This is the church's purpose, to give Christ glory until He comes. We're to honor Him, to give recognition to His status as King of all. The word glory can mean fame, recognition, renown, honor, prestige. We are to glorify Him because He is worthy. And we honor and glorify Jesus as we grow in His image. We grow in His image by diligently knowing Him better and trusting His ways more. So my prayer for Faith Baptist Church is that we would know Jesus better and trust Him more. So by God's grace, we glorify Christ by becoming more like Christ through knowing Christ more. Let's meet these goals, these resolutions as a church. Not just this year, but continually until Jesus Christ comes.